You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and it's a big game coming up this week as the Aggies will play host to the 2-0 Florida Gators, looking like one of the contenders in the SEC this upcoming season. But with the 2020 year already being as crazy as it is, you never know what could happen, and so we have a very special guest joining the podcast today, Graham Marsh from the Alligator, coming on to talk all things Florida Gators with us. As always, make sure you're following the podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And the best way to do so is by following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show a more quality sounding podcast every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Aggies podcast day. Let me know in the comments section. And the other way to do so is by subscribing to at Locked On Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify if you can't do any of that. Listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast Day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Well, I said we got a very special guest. He's been covering Florida football for the past two years for the Alligator, one of the top student-run organizations when it comes to covering sports in the journalistic world. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Alligator, Graham Marsh, Florida Beat Reporter. Graham, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I am great. You know, A&M's not, but I'm great. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing right <laughs> here. But same time, 2020 is a very weird year. We've already seen oh, a yeah. ton of crazy upsets. We've seen a ton of highlight performances that end up being on a sour note. And let's just start talking a little bit about it. You have Florida who had one of the most impressive offensive games I've ever seen from Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask week one against Ole Miss. The next week, you saw something very similar with them facing South Carolina at home in the Swamp. You were actually at that game, but the defense was a little bit off. It was a lot closer than I think people wanted to give it a lot of credit for, especially with it being the Gamecocks. Just, just what have you seen from week one to week two that was so much of a difference, even though the Gators are sitting at two and out? Yeah, so basically in week one, what, what you saw was you saw obviously obviously one of the most, like you said, one of the most dominant offensive performances that you'll ever see in college football. I mean, it's pretty rare. It's not rare that teams throw out 50 points, but it's pretty rare that there's a guy such as Kyle Pitts that's just completely, it almost was completely helpless, had, had, had no chance to stop him, right? Just no chance at all. Um, and you did see that against South Carolina, you saw you saw Kyle Pitts have have another good game, not a four touchdown game, but still a good game. Um, the I think the biggest disappointment, maybe I don't know if disappointment's even a fair word, but that's just the word I'll use, was in week two. Um, you looked at Florida went in a halftime with a lead, and then they they were really really strong in the third quarter. It really felt like Florida was going to pull away. It felt like this game was going to become a blowout. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, you had a turnover. You really didn't pull south. Really didn't pull away from South Carolina quite like I think Florida fans maybe would have wanted to see. Um, and you kind of let them hang around. But but I will say, I think a little bit of that is misleading because Will Muschamp did pull a Will Muschamp in the fourth quarter, and down two scores, puts together an offensive drive that eats up the rest of the clock. By the time they gave the ball back to Florida, they didn't end up scoring. But even if they did, they they were going to score with 45 seconds left in the game. The game was over anyway. So 
that part does make it a little bit misleading. Um, South Carolina kind of kept the game close, but they weren't going to win based on how they did that drive. But uh, I will say the the biggest thing that concerns me with this team is the safety. Um, I, I just don't like that safety room. I, I didn't like it last year, um, and I, I don't like it this year. They didn't get any better. And you're looking at your, your second best safety, Brad Stewart. Brad Stewart has yet to play this year. Um, and then Sean Davis, of course, got he got ejected in the first game um, for a targeting call early in the first quarter. Um, so that that left some holes for Ole Miss. But Ole Miss's offense looks like it's going to be pretty good. So that you can kind of you can kind of say, okay, you know, defense didn't look great against Ole Miss, but it looks like Ole Miss they may not win a lot of games. But they're going to put up a lot of points. So you think, okay, that's fine. South Carolina, no one's impressed with South Carolina's offense. And you're giving up big plays, and it's kind of like let's. I, I don't know if that's you, you don't want to be. That's not what you want to be doing. And when you consider they have a defensive coordinator in Todd Grantham that likes to dial up exotic blitzes as much as he does, and likes to be as aggressive as he does, having safeties that struggle to cover in the back end that that's probably going to mean you're going to give up some big plays. So that's the biggest thing I would say. The biggest maybe. Maybe again, not disappointment. I don't think disappointment is a fair word because I still think this team can be one of the top contenders in the country, even with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 coming back. But maybe the biggest concern, I guess, so far is that safety room. And I think you can get that because when you look at the stat line for the defense side of the ball, uh, Florida's ranked number two in total tackles. They're ranked number two in sacks. They are ranked number ninth in turnovers, especially in interceptions and pass deflections. So that is definitely a big concern. Uh, but but let's just talk about that defense overall. You know, you, you talk about how this is a very explosive Ole Miss offense. And, and I think when you look at what Ole Miss was able to do this past week against Kentucky, they got their first win. Matt Coral ranks number two right behind KJ Costello in passing yards through two games. You know, th- that is something that I think you have to worry about. But then when you look at what's been replaced, I mean, you lost top cover man in the SEC last year and C.J. Henderson to Jacksonville in the draft this past year. Uh, you still have Marco Wilson coming back in a different type of role. So, you know, the whole defensive backroom is a lot different than we've seen in years past with this being, you know, one of the DBU universities across the country. When that becomes a problem week in and week out, even if you are giving up a lot of points, does that make an offense maybe a little bit more frustrated that you have to realize – we have to be one of these teams that puts up 40 to guarantee we're going to win. Um, I, I don't know if they get frustrated, but I, but I think it does add pressure. Um, because I think if you're Kyle Trask and you're Kyle Pitts and you're the rest of that offense and you just, you keep watching your defense, give up big plays, think, okay, well, you know, we better go score, but we better not have three, four drives in a row. Where we don't get anything going or we're, we're, we're going to mess around and lose. Um, Especially when you consider, you know, going into this week playing against a, a team in Texas A&M, which Texas A&M, you know, has has struggled throughout these first two weeks. But I mean, I I, I still think they're far and away the best opponent Florida's played so far. Um, I mean, Texas A&M, Texas A&M is better than South Carolina and Ole Miss. So, and and you're also dealing with the best quarterback you've played so far too, most most experienced quarterback at least in Kellen Mond. Um, so. Again, I I think it's really the safeties more than anything. I think the cornerback depth is still not bad. I think Kyrie Elam is one of the better young corners in the country. I I like Marco Wilson and Trey Dean has played okay so far. Um, and then you know you've had Jaden Hill get in there a little bit, Chester Kimbrough get in there a little bit, and they, they've all been okay. It's really the safety concerns me. 
Um, you you need more production than just Sean Davis. When tra- trading is kind of mixing and out, playing a little bit of star, a little bit of safety so far. When trading plays in the safety role, he needs to be more of a stud. He needs to make more plays, um, be in position more often. And then obviously, you look at trying to get Brad Stewart back, and that should help. But Brad Stewart has never been, you know, he's not at Reed, so it's like okay, well, we need that to help out a little bit as well. So. Uh, you, you look at all that. You look at all that, and then you you bring it over to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I do think it adds pressure. Um, but that said, I think if there's an offense equipped to handle that pressure, it is Florida because you're not just dealing with a talented group; you're dealing with an experienced group, right? Kyle Pitts showing you that he's one of the most talented players in the entire country. I think a surefire first round pick in the NFL draft. To me, inarguably the best tight end in college football. The, the only one that might compete, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, is Brevin Jordan from Miami. But still, you're talking about, uh, up to this point, the best tight end in college football in Kyle Pitts. It, he's a third-year player, right? He's had plenty of experience. Kyle Trask obviously had plenty of experience. Damian Pierce, this is his, this is his third year in the defense. Trayvon Grimes, he, he's been here three years now. And so, so you're, de- you're dealing with experience. You're not dealing with, you know, young inexperienced guys that are going to make a lot of mistakes that could come and bite you. So I, I think, yeah, it is out of pressure, but I think that this is an offense and 100% handle that pressure. We got Graham Marsh and the alligator talking all things Florida with us. Graham, there's two guys who rank in the top five in total sacks for the Gators and Zachary Carter and Brenton Cox Jr. What kind of role are they going to have to play this upcoming week against A&M who it has even though a quarterback who's under a lot of scrutiny right now, he's still a dual threat guy. They have one of the better run offenses in the league. Just, just what have you seen from the two of them, both at the linebacker role and at the defensive line role that makes them special, especially at pressuring the quarterback into making mistakes. So what I love about Brenton Cox and Zach Carter so far is what you said, the ability to get to the quarterback. They, they do that very, very well. Um, what I haven't loved is I I think that they could not ju- not just the two of them but the defensive line as a as a unit I think could stop the run a little bit better not that they've been bad they're not getting gashed but they're not creating a lot of negative plays in the run game I haven't seen many I haven't seen many of those plays where you know the running back gets the ball from the quarterback immediately hit you know dropped for three yards I haven't really seen that yet um, so maybe just a little bit more involved in the running game, a little more consistent, in the running game, a, a little bit less of the six, seven yard runs that really propel a drive on first and second down, because, you know, you prevent some of those six and seven yard runs on first and second down, then those third and twos and third and threes that you're giving up, well, that that's now third and eight, you know? So w- with the ability to get to the quarterback, it makes it a lot easier to get to the quarterback if you're dealing with a third and eight than a third and two, right? Because how are you going to get to the quarterback if he's throwing a quick flat route for an easy first down? But if he's got to drop back, then that's that's when you can really start to make plays. And you can even an experienced quarterback like Kellen Mond, you can try to force him into mistakes. But if Kellen Mond can get into a rhythm that, you know, that's every coach's favorite word is rhythm. And of course, Jimbo lo- loves him some rhythm. If you can, if if you can get Kellen Mond into a rhythm, and he's he's five yards, three yards, six yards, it's all quick game. And then Kellen Mond can scramble every once in a while. Then I think that's where Kellen Mond is at his best. But if Kellen Mond has to drop back for multiple seconds, and you let a guy like Brenton Cox, you let a guy like Zach Carter get to him, 
that's when Florida can start to make turnovers. That's when they can start to cause mistakes. And that's when the defense can really have a good day. But other than that, I think that Texas A&M, if they get into a rhythm, I think it could be a long day for Florida's defense. I definitely agree. I think that when you look at Florida's defense, that's going to be their weak point, even though they have Todd Grantham, who is fantastic at what he's been able to do for this university with Dan Mullen, keeping this defense in the top 10, uh, top 20 every single year. This is definitely something that I think A&M is going to be looking to attack early. And if they can attack early, it's something that is probably going to keep this game close. Speaking of things that you're going to want to keep close, you have an upcoming game this week, which means tailgating is right around the corner. And whether you have to break out in mentally or physically, that's why we recommend Built Bar. But if you can't grab a Built Bar, why not grab a Built Bar Go? Yep, brand new product coming out from Built Bar. What they do is it is a, the best workout gel on the market. Not only will they give you the same type of energy that you would get from a five-hour energy, but it gives you less of a crash feeling. That's because of it's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results because Built Bar Go combines an energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing, so it gets in your system a lot faster and it's so much easier on your stomach. Plus with three delicious flavors and peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint, there's so many different types of flavors you can use that will give you everything you want with your B6, B12, and B beta alkaline vitamins every single day. And when you go visit BuiltBarGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, you'll get $30 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for $30 off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked on Podcast? Lockdown Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Lockdown Podcast Day here at LockdownPodcast.com. Graham Marston, the Alligator, joins us to talk all things Florida. Graham. The offense has been the story. I mean, that like I'm not even going to try and deny it. The offense has been the story, and it goes back to what I've seen from number 11, Kyle Trask. This was a guy who I remember being a Houston native, hearing about this kid in high school and realizing, oh, okay, he's going to Florida. You know, he's probably going to be just part of the system. And last year when Felipe Franks went out, a lot of people kind of doubted Florida's potential of what they could be. They ended up being one of the better teams in the SEC. They ended up being one of the better teams in the country. And it was really because of what number 11 did under center. Now he has a chance to not only, I think, earn a little bit more respect from the SEC you know, staff members, from everyone in college football, but he also has a chance to really boost his NFL draft stock. Just, just what have you seen in two weeks of play from number 11, who in my opinion is the front runner, if not the leading candidate, far and away, the future Heisman Trophy winner? So what I've seen to, to explain what I've seen in the last two weeks, I need to go back to last year. And basically, like you just said, when, when Felipe Franks goes down against Kentucky, Felipe Franks was not playing a good game. And Florida was going to anyone who watched that game and remembers Florida was going to lose that game. And I hate saying that because seeing Felipe Franks get hurt like that, like that, like that sucks. You don't want to see anybody get hurt like that. But if he doesn't get hurt, Florida loses that game. Like, that's just the facts. The only reason that Florida won is because Kyle Trask came in and they and he brought them back and won. And 
the reason that I think Kyle Trask last year was able to take Florida's offense to an entirely different level than it ever saw with Felipe Franks was because the mistakes were just cut down so much. And you went from a guy that was trying to be Patrick Mahomes and Felipe Franks to a guy that was content with being a game manager and Kyle Trask. And when I say game manager, I mean that in the best possible way because Kyle Trask didn't do anything last year that was considered like was considered super special. He didn't do anything that, that, that made you just say, wow, but he didn't do anything that made you say, oh my God, what was that? And Florida had so much talent on the offensive side of the ball. And Dan Mullen is such a good play caller. But that's really all they needed. Really all they needed was just somebody that could just conduct the offense and not do anything dumb and keep everybody else on track and put put guys like Kyle Pitts, put guys like Trayvon Grimes, put guys like last year Michael Pirine and this year Damian Pierce in position to succeed. That's what you saw last year, and that's why you saw an Orange Bowl victory, and that's why you saw a really good finish of the season, and that's why you saw a lot of confidence out of Gainesville. Fast forward that to this year. I think the biggest thing you're seeing – in these first two weeks, is you're seeing Kyle Trask elevate himself from that game manager status. I, I, I was one that was critical of him just because I, I said that, you know, like I don't dislike Kyle Trask, but I don't love him. I don't see anything that's great. I don't see a super high ceiling. Well, I, I was wrong because this year I've seen him make plays on his own. I have seen him in a collapsing pocket escape, step somewhere, buy time, and then hit a deep downfield throw to Kyle Pitts or Trayvon Grimes or whoever. So really what I've seen is I've seen him I've seen him elevate his game from from solid to special. That that's what I've seen if I could if I could describe it in any way. And this is a guy who's been finishing in the top 3 in passing yards right now. He's finishing in the top 3 in completion percentage, he's top 3 in QBR rating. He leads the SEC with 10 touchdowns, a 10 to 1 ratio when it comes to uh touchdown to interceptions. He also only is uh, his offensive line has also only given up three sacks, which has allowed him to, I think, explode and become a more quality pocket passer for this team. But it always helps when you have a go to weapon in Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts to me is an anomaly because if he's not what you would see from your prototypical SEC tight end, he's not really the top blocker in this year's class. I think that that belongs to Brevin Jordan of the two. But you look at what Kyle Pitts does. I mean, to me, this is the front runner for the John Mackey Award. This is the front runner for a guaranteed first round pick, especially with how tight ends are being used in the NFL. And I think that that's what Dan Mullen has done in Gainesville with a guy like Pitts. He's allowing him to play what you're going to expect to see at the next level. Because of when I watch him play, I see a lot of Travis Kelsey. I see a lot of Mark Andrews. He's lining up in that flex position and he's getting open. That connection that you see between the two Kyles. I mean, that has to be one of the better connections you would see in the SEC. And for you, who's been in Florida for four years, this has to be one of the better connections you've seen in your college career. I have to assume. Yeah, it's it's the best one, but yeah. like by far. Uh, I don't think it's even close. Um, and, you know, it get, getting to this week's game, Texas A&M, just like Ole Miss and South Carolina, is going to have a decision to make. And that's what Kyle Pitts does, is he forces you to make a decision because – there is not a player in the country that can guard Kyle Pitts one-on-one. There isn't. And that's not that's not like knock on defenses. That's just saying he's that good, you know? Like who in the NFL can guard Travis Kelsey one-on-one, like you just said? And with Kyle Pitts, it's kind of the same thing. So as a defense coordinator, it forces you to make a decision. And A&M, 
last week, as you saw, struggled to guard Alabama down the field. They gave up multiple huge bombs down the field. So if you double team Kyle Pitts in the middle, and the way that most the way that most teams have been trying to sort of contain Kyle Pitts dating back to last year is you bump him with a linebacker and then you have a safety over top. That's that's usually how you tried to guard really good tight ends. If you do that, well then you're leaving Trayvon Grimes one on one in the island. That does Texas A&M feel good about that? Probably not. So exactly. So so I, I think that what you're dealing with is again it, it's a decision to make. Like it, it, Ole Miss, Ole Miss clearly made their decision. Ole Miss let Kyle Pitts beat them. Ole Miss said we're not going to let everybody else beat us. But because they did that, Kyle Pitts beat him. And then South Carolina did sort of like an in-between. Kyle Pitts still had a pretty good game, but, you know, again, not four touchdowns. Um, but, again, it's going to it's gonna get other guys in one-on-one situations. And, and you're seeing, like, you know, Xavier Henderson, I'm sure he'll be a great player. But Xavier Henderson, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a, is a, um, is a freshman receiver for us. He's, he's C.J. Henderson's brother. Great player. But but he's he's a true freshman and he's he's making catches and that's because he's getting single coverage he's getting soft coverage because of a guy like Kyle Pitts. You're seeing Kadarius Tony in space. Does Texas A&M want a single cover Kadarius Tony? Probably not. So when when you have all of those weapons like that and then you have the weapon in Kyle Pitts, it just it, it makes things really really difficult for a defense and it makes you have to make a decision. And I think at the same time, what it's really going to do is it's going to put a lot of pressure on a guy like Jalen Jones, freshman cornerback, having to make those big time plays, which I'm not sure he's ready to do because we just saw what he did against Alabama. He had two great moments and a very big struggle day for the freshman cornerback. But the big thing that you will say is when you have Kyle Pitts. It's probably because of you're seeing him get targeted so much because of what they lost in the offseason at the wide receiver position. Just with Van Jefferson now being gone, Tyree Cleveland being gone. Uh, but what have you seen from the younger receivers? As you mentioned, they, they are veterans. They've been in the system for three years. They've been around Dan Mullen the entire time that he's been in Gainesville. Just what have you seen from them and their ability to adapt and play when they can make the most of their situation because of you have both of their other top two receivers finishing in the top 30 of receiving yards in the sec but it's more so what you're seeing what they do after the catch and it's what you're seeing what they do with their receptions that make them more dominant because if each one of them i think has two cat uh only only a handful i think it's under 10 catches on the year but each have two touchdowns so i mean it's a big deal when you're seeing them make limited moments magical yeah so Basically, I'll go, I'll go really quickly from the top down. So Trayvon Grimes, I think, is having a good season. And I think it's it, what I've seen on Trayvon Grimes is it's just a matter of time until he has a breakout game. Because like we just talked about with Kyle Pitts, he's getting softer coverage than he normally would. A- any other offense, Trayvon Grimes is like the key guy to guard. But with Kyle Pitts, you can't do that. So I, I think it's just a matter of time until Trayvon Grimes has that three touchdown, 200-yard game. I think that's coming. I don't know when, but I think it's coming. Kadarius Tony, we've already seen him with that breakout run against South Carolina. That was unbelievable, right? He breaks he breaks like four tackles on the way to the end zone. It, it was insane. Um, so then Kadarius Tony, your next guy. I think Tony has has shown you that he's more than just a gadget player because in the offense since he's been here, Kadarius has been kind of a you know reverse guy, trick pass guy. 
he hasn't really been a receiver receiver and this year his route his route running is so much better his hands are so much better he gets off the line so much better he blocks so much better every part of being a real receiver he's improved at so i think Kadarius tony has proven you that he can be a real weapon down the field you move to the younger guys um xavier henderson love what i've seen out of him so far a couple catches um made the most of his opportunities you know he hasn't gotten on the field all that much because, um, again, with Kyle Pitts, you know, you're usually only talking about two, three wide receiver sets. As a true freshman, it'll be tough to get on the field. But he's played pretty well with what he's what he's been given. Um, like you said, you know, not that many catches, but made the most of it. And then who I'm really impressed with more than anything is one of the backup tight ends, Trent Whittemore. Uh, he's from Gainesville. He went to Buholtz High School right here in Gainesville. Um, he's a true freshman, and he's found his way on the field despite being – Kyle Pitts is backup and you know because Kamori Gamble is still on this roster Kamori Gamble is a senior tight end and Trent Whittemore has completely taken over all of his snaps if it's not Kyle Pitts in the game catching passes as a tight end it is Trent Whittemore as a true freshman and he's already caught a touchdown he already had a really impressive catch and double coverage against South Carolina so that's a guy that I, that I have to praise um, because you're talking about you can do some two tight end sets with he and Kyle Pitts, that's another guy you got to worry about. And that's really what I've seen is just these young guys. It's kind of like you took the words out of my mouth. You know, they haven't gotten a whole bunch of opportunities. It's not like Xavier Henderson or Trent Woodmore has had 15 catches on the year. But in the opportunities they've had, they've really made the most of it. I think that what you really got to think about is Kyle Pitts as a freshman tight end immediately made his impact. As a freshman tight end, Jalen Weidemeyer at Texas A&M made his impact. Trent Woodmore already making an impact in Gainesville. Just another tight end that's probably going to become a big-time name in the SEC. Graham Marsh and the Alligator joining us here on Locked on Aggies. This is a top-five offense through and through when you look all across the board and what Florida's done. And then you have A&M, who is right in the middle of the pack. They're eighth in total offense. They're tenth in passing offense. They're uh, they're third in rushing offense. So we're going to get Graham's opinion on what he's seen from AM. And finally, let's just break down the game coming up this Saturday when the Aggies take on the likes of Florida right here in College Station at Kyle Field in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas AM. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Aggies podcast day at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Graham Marsh and the Alligator joins us. Graham, just just in, in basic words, what have you seen from AM? I mean, you got to be kind of up close and personal, you know, in Florida for most of your life. Seeing Jimbo Fisher has. What you saw from him at Tallahassee even come close to transferring over what you see at A&M this far? Uh, I mean, the the easy answer is no. <laughs> Obviously not. But uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of tough because one one thing that I uh, – something with, with Jimbo is I feel like his expectations right away were unfair. And I, I know that's crazy to say because of his contract. With that contract, I guess you could argue no expectation is unfair. Um, but I think year one, maybe you could have said it was unfair just because the SEC West is so good all the time. <laughs> you're talking about LSU. You're talking about Alabama. You're talking about Auburn every single year. That's really tough to do. That said, it's year three, and you're having nail biters with Vanderbilt. That's <laughs> you can't be having that like that's not ideal so 
especially now, I think every I think everybody is is in wait and see mode with Texas A and M. You know, just staring from ten thousand feet. Anytime I hear anyone talk about Texas A and M, it's like, well, you know, I hear every year that Texas A and M is the sleeping giant in the SEC, and they're supposed to take over, and they're supposed to be the ones that take down Alabama, and they're supposed to, and you know, they're recruiting super well, and you know, of course, recruiting's never been an issue for Jimbo. That's never been hard for him. But where are the results? What? How come at the end of the year, see three, four losses every year? You're not playing Clemson anymore, so that helps, obviously. But like, still, like, at some point, it sucks, but it's true. At some point, you've got to face the beast and beat Alabama. You're gonna have to do that. Like, you you just can't consistently lose to one team in your side of the conference every single year and expect to to do anything special. It's not gonna happen. It's like Florida with Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, like Florida, Florida can receive all this praise. And, you know, I've been top of the bandwagon giving Florida praise. But until they beat Georgia and Jacksonville, none of this matters. And with Texas A&M, I think it's the same thing. It's not – but with Texas A&M, I think the reason that they've had more scrutiny than Florida is because Florida's winning everything else. Yeah. Texas A&M is not they're, – they're not necessarily winning everything else. No, I mean, I think you can 100% agree with that. And what you've seen, both Dan Mullen and Jimbo Fisher were hired in the same year. You've seen Dan Mullen in two years go to New Year's Six Bowls. You've seen Jimbo Fisher go to Texas Bowls. I mean, it's not the same yep. thing you want to say. And I agree – A&M has to get past the likes of Alabama, but I give them a little bit of credit in year two. You face the number one team in the country three times in the year. That's never happened before in AP in AP voting. I mean, in AP right. voting, you've never seen that. But you also face off against the number three, Georgia, and you also face off against the number eight, Auburn, and you got killed by both of them. So that's where you kind of take the give and take. I look at A&M, though, and I think it's probably because I cover them. It's probably because I've been around them for the last year and a half. A&M, the biggest thing is everyone does call them the sleeping giant, but it starts with the quarterback position more than anything else. And I think in, in football today, the quarterback position is the most scrutinized, but it's also the most important. That's why you're looking at Kyle Trask, like an MVP, Heisman Trophy, first round pick, and Kellen Mond under scrutiny to possibly get benched at any given moment. From what you've seen from Kellen Mond, this was a matchup I have been previewing for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks that this was going to be the highlight moment of the SEC. Is there any chance that this game is the highlight moment of the SEC between these two senior quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance. Because, I mean, look, it, this opportunity for Kellen Mond is, is handed to him on a silver platter. Okay, you're at home. I get it. Florida's the favorite. I, I I know that. Florida should win. But you're looking at a team. It's number. It's tied for number three in the coaches' poll. Number four team in the country in the AP poll. That Kalamon gets to play at home. And what does Florida struggle with if they struggle with anything? It's the safeties. It's stopping the pass deep down the field. If Kalamon has a big game throwing the ball, it needs to be against this defense. I mean, if 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 Matt Corral can have a big day against Florida, so can Kellen Mond. I think Matt Corral's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be really special. But I've been told Kellen Mond is special for the last three years. And and I think what, what you have seen, especially last year, like late in the year, everything Kellen Mond was supposed to be, Kyle Trask is becoming. Right? You're talking about an experienced guy, has been in the system for a long time, supposed to be savvy, supposed to do everything right. That's what Kyle Trask is. That's how we've described Kyle Trask. So Kellen Mond, I mean, the results just got to come at some point. And I, I think for him, 
from his perspective, this is a golden opportunity for him, a golden opportunity. And I'm not saying he's got to go out there and win because I think beating Florida right now is a very tough task, but he's got to play well. You know what I mean? If Matt Corral can throw multiple touchdowns on this defense, Kellen Mond should throw three, four touchdowns. Because I, I think this game, just like any game Florida might win this year, is going to be, they're going to win it 42, 35, 40, 40 to 31. It's a high scoring game. I, Florida's not going to win a lot of 17 10s. So, Texas A&M might lose, but Kellen Mond needs to have a big day. And I, I think if there's any game where he's going to have a big day, where he's going to have a big day on a big stage against a quality opponent, it is it is this Saturday. I think Grant, Grant Marsh and the Alligator joining us here. I, I agree with you, but we saw what he did against Alabama. He threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. That one interception was a pick six, unfortunately. So, I mean, that is a huge damper on Kellen Mond. Uh, before I let you go and I get your score prediction, just, just say A&M wins this game. Or say Florida wins this game. We can go either way. Does this say more about AM or does it say more about Florida who comes out the winner of this game? When you break it down completely, does this make it look like AM is truly finally at that level that they're paying Jimbo Fisher to come in and beat a top 10 team in Florida? Or is this just a Florida team that's beyond special, that has a coach that's been around the SEC and has been around Florida and Dan Mullen, and they're just finally there? ready to take down the likes of Big Brother Georgia. I mean, what what says more, the winner of this game, in your opinion? Uh, I think you make a bigger statement if you win as Texas A&M, for sure. Because I think Florida, Florida's being picked. I mean, Kyle Trask and Heisman are being used in the same sentence this year. Kyle Pitts and Heisman even sometimes are being used in the same sentence this year. Florida and playoff are being used in the same sentence. Those things are not being used in the same sentence as Texas A&M, at least right now. So if Texas A&M wins this game, I think that's a bigger statement for Texas A&M for sure. If Florida wins, I think it's more considered, whether this is fair or not, I think in just the eyes of anyone, if Florida wins, I think it's considered pretty status quo. Because I think Florida's, people are looking at this game and they're looking at Florida and they're saying, you're supposed to win this game. I mean, Vegas thinks they're supposed to win this game, and so do so do most other people. So, so just just from that perspective, I think you make you make more noise as AM if you win this game than you do Florida for sure. And I would agree with that completely. But the only way that we can know who wins this game is by getting your predictions right now, Graham Marsh. If you had to go right on the line going into this week, what everything you know, even though you've seen Florida struggle with this with their defensive backs, even though you see A and M struggle and put up big points, but still struggle with turnovers. Who you got coming out as the winner on October 10th? Um, I I like Florida, but I, but I think it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than people predict. And and again, I I think I, I see a shootout because I see A&M has struggled on defense. I see Florida struggled on defense. Um, so I I mean I I'm telling you I like a like a Big 12 kind of looking game. Like like I like a 52-45 score. And I, I think that I think. Texas A&M makes Florida sweat all the way down to the wire because you look at, I mean, South Carolina made Florida sweat a little bit down the wire and, you know, Ole Miss too. people forget Ole Miss was sort of coming back. I, I don't think they would have won the game, but they were sort of coming back to make the game interesting. And Florida 
has the ball on third third and short, and they don't get it. The refs call a BS roughing the passer call on Ole Miss that should not have been called. It was one of the worst roughing the passer calls I've ever seen. Florida gets the first down. Then they stay on the field for a long time. They score, and that's pretty much the game. But if Florida gives up the ball there, then Ole Miss makes that game really weird at the end. So you look at that, I think Texas A&M is a, is a much more quality opponent than South Carolina and Ole Miss. So I I, I see Florida winning, but again, I, see, I, I think this game can get really weird. I think third and fourth quarter, it can be really, really weird. And I still think Florida comes out on top because I just don't think that Texas A&M has a way to stop Kyle Pitts as well as the rest of the offense. I don't, I don't, I don't think their defense is talented enough to do that. So, again, 52-45 in favor of the Gators, squeaking out at the end. Well, guess what? Texas A&M did come from the Big 12. Big 12 defense will be coming back to College Station this upcoming week, according to our main man, Graham <laughs> Marsh from the Alligator. Graham, let the good people of Locked On Aggies and everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network know where they can check out your work and know where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, so my uh, my Twitter is at Graham Marsh UF. That's G-R-A-H-A-M-M-A-R-S-H-U-F. Um, you can find my work over at alligator.org or for Sports Illustrated at SI All Gators. You can find my work at either of those places. Um, and yeah, just follow me on Twitter. That's pretty much where everything is. Graham Marsh from the alligator joining us. That's good over this edition of locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast every single day at iTunes, Spotify, or at LockedOnPodcast.com. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at locked on Aggies tomorrow. Three keys to win. I do this every single Thursday, three keys to win for Texas A&M going into Saturday's game, playing host to the likes of Florida. We're breaking all that down. What are the keys to win and who are the players to watch out for? We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, yum yum. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.